Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So last episode, we um, we started talking about the new contract, contract 2023, which covers Connecticut, Florida, and Maryland members. Uh, we covered a lot of the changes that are part of this new agreement, uh, but there's so many, so much stuff in this contract that we didn't have time to do it in one episode. So today we're going to continue to go through contract 2023 and talk about all that great stuff that local 1150 members are getting in the new deal. Um, I think we left off at the end of Article 7, so let's move right into Article 8. So we're starting off with shift transfers and reallocations. So now shift transfers are going to be done by seniority within the department and occupational group, with the exception of when an aircraft rigger or electrical checkout tech are needed and required based on the business needs. So we used to get a lot of trouble with this in the past. It was based on job code, and we would have times where the company was citing specific job codes and labor grades. Uh, There was times where lead people weren't allowed to go, and we'll get more into that. Um, but this is going to make it a lot easier to make sure that it's done fairly by seniority within the OC group. Yeah, and to be clear, we don't expect any funny business going on about the aircraft riggers and electrical checkout guys. Just, you know, the company was really concerned with those particular uh, job codes just because of the high level of training and skill that's required for those jobs. They just wanted to have some flexibility there. So next up, we've got shift transfers for working leads. Uh, When a working lead who's been a lead for less than one year accepts a lower-rated job in the same occupational group due to a shift preference, that employee is going to go into wage regression to the top of the preceding labor grade. Yeah, so this is another one that a lot of our members expressed some concern about in the past. So in the past, what, what would happen is there's a working leader job opening on, say, second shift, right? Second shift is the real, the, the real area of concern. Um, nobody on first shift would want to go. The senior folks wouldn't want to go to second shift just to take a working lead position. So it would end up going to a, a, a more junior employee. They would go to second shift as a working lead. And, you know, a couple of months later, they'd return to first shift as a working lead. Right. right. They would take they would take an opening on first shift. They would remain a working lead. And now all these senior folks who gave up that opportunity are up in arms saying, you know, what about me? Uh, so, you know, we made an attempt here to fix that or at least um, with some time limits on it, fix that situation so that those folks can't do that anymore. You can't just go to a, a, a non-preferred shift, take a working leader position, and then you're a working leader for the rest of your career. Um, so we hope that that fixed folks' concern, and it, it certainly went some ways to, you know, to doing that. Yep. Next up, we've got a leave of absence for union leaders. So there's used to be a 25-year limit on a leave of absence if you're working in the union. That's now been eliminated. So that'll help out, I think, some of our more senior union folks. Yeah, so, you know, there's there, there's a difference of opinion on that, right? Um, Rocco says it's for younger guys. True, you know, true. Who, who that are, makes more sense. Who are starting out um, in this business at a, at a pretty early age. Right. And, um, you know, who, who are going to reach 25 years in this business before their career is over. So, um, you know, he wanted to fix that, you know, Rocco's, I think at about 24 years uh, on his stint. So, um, good for everybody, right? It doesn't make any sense to end those, those leave of absence anyway. Yep. 
the assistant hourly benefits coordinator. So there's been a change there. We've now memorialized that position as the assistant uh, coordinator rather than a steward. So that kind of came about because this is one of those positions that takes a great deal of training. Um, it takes a lot of time to become proficient, and we don't want to have a lot of turnover in there. We don't want it subject to a regular election where you know you're trying to play catch up, getting new people caught up yep. with the with the knowledge they need. Right. After that, we've got 30-day transfers. Um, the company now must notify the union prior to any temporary transfers taking place. Yeah, that really clears up some confusion, right? Because, um, you know, the company's always had the right to transfer people between occupational groups for, you know, a one-time deal for up to 30 days. And, and that's fine. That hasn't changed. But what's happened in the past is... The union is unaware of transfers happening, these loans that are happening, and so we're not able to track these loans, and we're not so we're not able to hold the company to that 30-day limit because we don't know when the transfer happened, yep. right? So now they have to notify prior to the transfer happening, and we can track that and hold them to that 30-day limit. Yeah, it's going to be good for us because we have an idea how often these loans are being asked for, how often they're happening. Yep. And the other thing that people don't think of is when we're trying to track the overtime, when we do our audits for the overtime language, right. it's hard to remember you know, who got moved where and when. So this right. is definitely going to help keep track of that. Yeah, it just makes everything a little more transparent, a little, a little bit easier to you know, keep track of. Yep. Next up, we're going to move into Article 9. Article 9 talks a lot about your vacation and your perfect attendance. Uh, there were definitely some positive changes here, especially with vacation time. Now new employees who are hired between January 1st and June 30th of any year will get five days of vacation, 40 hours, paid at their hourly rate. New employees hired between July 1st and December 31st of any year will get three days vacation or 24 hours. Yeah, so this is a big change. Yeah. Um, under the old agreement, new employees hired in the first six months of the year would get three days of vacation time. So now those folks um, extended out to September will get five days. So that's that's a nice bump. And um, in the previous contract, anyone hired after June 30th um, got no vacation time for that year. So um, this is a big improvement. Yeah, I think everybody recognized we need more flexibility, especially for our newer members. It's tough when you don't have a lot of time. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other big change with vacation was how the pay is calculated. So typically what you see is around 2% pay for each week of time that you get off. We now have a clause in our contract that you'll get paid either that or 40 times your hourly rate, whichever is greater. And for anybody that's unsure, this makes a lot of difference for somebody that might be out for the prior year on a medical injury, yep. something to that extent. They would have very low gross earnings, and they'd get 2% of effectively nothing. Yeah. So um, this is huge for those folks who, yeah. who don't have a ton of hours in the previous year. Um, now you're guaranteed to at least get your hourly rate for your vacation rate, which is awesome. Yep. Pro rata vacation. So employees now qualify for pro rata vacation when they resign. And again, this isn't one that you think of until it kind of clips you. But if you were to resign or take another role in the company, you might not have qualified for that in the past, and you should. So Yeah, absolutely. It's another great thing to have. Yep. You no longer have to save vacation time for shutdown, plant shutdown. Huge. You know, 
folks who have been here for a while might not remember what a pain in the neck this is when you only have a week of vacation. Yeah. But, you know, for people who only had a week of vacation time, they'd have to save it until at least April 1st, right, when the company announces there's no plant shutdown. Um, now they can use it starting in January, and, um, you know, there's no reason to save it. And that's that's a big deal for people who don't have a lot of time. And then last for Article 9, we've got some changes to perfect attendance. So employees are no longer going to earn four hours of paid vacation time for earning perfect attendance. Instead, you're going to be paid for eight hours, and you just won't have any, you know, time off as a component of that. So it's kind of nice. You double the pay. And you, you don't have the time off. But what we've noticed is a lot of people that were earning perfect attendance weren't taking the time. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely going to benefit them. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I, I never used my perfect attendance time. Um, just took the four hours of pay. So now I'll get eight hours of pay. And, yep. uh, I mean, I, I like it personally. I think there's some mixed feelings on this. Some people do like that extra time. But listen, the company... Um, you know, the company came in with a priority in these negotiations to to do something about absenteeism. And even though this is a tiny little bite out of that, it, it does, you know, potentially save them two full days of absenteeism per employee. So um, that's a big deal for them. So, yep. so they got this and we got something out of it. We got a little extra money and that's good. And for anybody that's checking your pay right now, the the perfect attendance that you would have earned for last quarter, that follows our old language. So this is going to be moving forward. You'll see this after the first quarter of 2023. Right. Next up, we're going to dive into Article 11 uh, that talks about annual military training pay. So there used to be a 15-day limit on paid time for the military duty, and that has been eliminated. Uh, this includes all branches of the military, including National Guard and Reserves, and includes all training duty, encampment duty, temporary and emergency duty, and basic training as well. I personally think this is a really big deal. Um, you know, this doesn't affect a ton of people, but the people who it did affect, it, it was a big burden on those folks. You know, they're they're getting pulled in one direction by their duty to serve and in the other direction by their employer who's saying, hey, you got two weeks and that's it. And this was a problem, especially for those folks who maybe were joining the Guard and had to go to basic training for six to eight weeks. Um, the company was pushing back on that, and now they're not. So that's great. Yeah, I think in light of what we make, what we do, and you know the company that we are, we should have the best benefits for veterans. So it's good no to question. see this change. Yeah, it is. Article 12, we get into the safety glasses and safety shoes. So for safety glasses, employees are going to receive three credits for prescription safety glasses. If used in 2023, the credit's going to be $200. If it's used in any other year the, uh, over the remainder of the contract, the credit is going to be $100. And beginning in 2024, Allegiant Care is going to offer $130 benefit for prescription safety glasses. Right. So that explains the the drop in the, in the stipend for the glasses. Again, it's $200 the first year because we're not in Allegiant Care yet. Once Allegiant Care starts offering that $130, essentially you're getting $230 um, for, for safety glasses. Yeah, so you're not losing any money. Nope. You're, you're getting more. Uh, the stipend for safety shoes, employees will receive $150 three times over the life of the contract. And this is an increase of $50 per stipend. Uh, it can't be used on laces or inserts, but for the shoes themselves, yep. that's nice to have that extra amount because the price of boots has gone up. Yeah, we actually, um, you know, we contacted the vendors and um, the 
increase in boot prices and shoe prices was pretty drastic, yeah. um, a, a pretty major increase. So, you know, this will cover that increase for most folks. Uh, you know, if you're getting a really expensive pair of boots, um, you're, you're going to pay out of your pocket anyway, uh, but 150 bucks towards that is a good deal. Yeah, I think they got some American pairs too, American yeah. made. So that's you can nice. Check those out. Yeah. If anybody has a leftover stipend from the last year, uh, you can still use those through the 19th, I believe it is, of February. Yep. Uh, you can only get one pair per year. So if you use last year's stipend in this calendar year, you cannot use the new stipend until the, the next calendar year. Right. Um, so just make sure you're aware of that, but definitely use those up because we've got three over the next five years. So you'll have plenty of time to use your future stipends up. Article 13 is up next. We were able to get some language in here about refusal to cross picket lines. So the company will not request or require any employee to cross a picket line and they will not discipline in any way an employee who refuses to cross a picket line. Um, or enter the property of an employer who's engaged in a primary labor dispute. Yeah, and that's really good, right? It, it Again, this is one of those things that only affects a handful of our members. But again, it's a pretty big deal, right? Our it, it, This is our truck drivers, right? We only have a handful of them. But, you know, when you drive up to a picket line, you're a union member and you have to cross that picket line. That's a tough choice. Yeah. Right. That's really difficult. And now our folks are protected when they turn around and they say, hey, I'm, I'm not crossing this picket line. I, I love this language. You know, there's it's always great to see when you're on a line helping strike or, you know, at least demonstrate. And you Absolutely. see a truck pull up and yep. he waves and says, you know, oh, what's going on? Oh, see you later. Yep, and beeps the horn twice and pulls away. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good to see. And, you know, it's always the very pro union companies like your UPS or now like your Sikorsky yep. Teamsters. Yeah, it's really good language. I'm really happy. And 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 let me just say this. Let me give kudos to Lockheed Martin. Um, you know, every time we talked during negotiations about this type of language, this and the the what we are calling now the cooperation language, Lockheed Martin expressed not necessarily a hands-off policy when we're, you know, engaged in union activity, but they definitely, you know, expressed the fact that, you know, they don't use those dirty tactics that other companies use um, against union activity. Um, so they expressed that kind of, you know, cooperative promise, I guess. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, it comes through with the refusal to cross picket line language, the successorship language. Yep. All of it kind of cements in place that, you know, they're willing to bargain with us. They recognize people's right to a union. Yep, and, and they respect not, that. Right. Yeah. Moving on, we're moving into Article 14, and this talks about the point system that we had a lot of changes to now. Yeah, big change. Those changes haven't taken place yet. That's coming in April, right? That's right. But we're going to change the way that we reduce uh, total point counts. So we had a lot of people respond to our surveys. They want to be rewarded for coming to work, and the company wants to encourage people to do that. Yep. Um, so we changed the system. The 30-day accumulator for removing points under the attendance policy is going to be eliminated. Employees will now have eight points removed from their total, and they'll go down to zero when they accumulate 160 hours worked, or if you're on third shift, it'd be 130 hours worked. It's the same amount. It's just kind of prorated based on the hours they work. Yep. And uh, it's going to be inclusive of overtime. 
you're able to take absences in between. You could take points in between. Right. It doesn't reset your accumulator. Right. It's all based on the hours that you're working and accumulating. So as long as you're coming to work, you should be cutting down your points. Yep. And you're going to get credit for holidays. So for, for all of those holidays that are in our contract in Article 7, um, you're going to get an eight-hour credit for those days. Uh, but just let's be clear, you're not going to get credits when you're on vacation. You're not going to get credits when you're using personal time. You you have to come to work. Other than a holiday, you have to come to work in order to earn these hours credits towards that eight-point reduction, that, that 160 hours and 130 hours. This is a big change. Um, I don't know about you, Jason, but I'm, I'm having a little trouble gauging what I think about this. I don't know if I think this is good for us as a whole or the same or not as good. I'm not really sure yet until we until we experience it. Yeah, I think it's going to be good for people. I think yeah. it's going to the theme of our contract has kind of been to increase flexibility and let people yep. be in control of their time. And that's I think trying to help people to do that. If you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be on day 29 and there's a car accident, you're 10 minutes late and now your whole month is Yeah trash i think that's the best piece of this i i think the fact that it doesn't reset to zero when you get points um i i think that's the best part of this and i think that's the most advantageous for us you know the other big change too is with the point values for absences so points for you know tardiness out early um and absence are now going to be assessed in a one point per one hour uh increment rather than two hour increments so you used to have to take two hours vacation yep you don't have to do that anymore. Or you used to have to take two points if you were 10 minutes late. Yep. Now you could take one point for an hour. And listen, let's be clear. This was the company's idea to break this up even further into one-hour chunks, right? Because they're looking at folks who are heading to work, right? And, oh, I'm going to be 15 minutes late for work. Might as well take two hours off. Yep. Right? And, and I guess they think enough people do that that it's worth breaking it down into an hour increment so that that same person is coming to work saying, oh, I'm going to be late. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take an hour off rather than two hours, right? So the company really thinks that this is an advantage to them. Um, I think it works best for us, right? Because uh, that guy or girl who's a minute late for work is now getting one point rather than two points. Right. And, you know, like we said before, the number of hours you have to work is directly tied to what we used to have to work for 30 days. So. Right. We're not having to work any more hours to get the benefit of not resetting if you take an absence. No, and in fact, it's better for us because if you're working overtime over that period, you're getting more hours. Right. Article 15, we talk about the duration of the contract. This is going to be a five-year deal, um, and it starts on December 19th of 22, and it expires on February 21st of 2028. Um, so we're in good shape for a while. Yeah, and and listen, I think people ask this question a lot or they wonder um, why it is, why do we go early, why do we ratify the contract early. This contract, the, the previous contract didn't expire until February. In fact, um, as we speak, we would still have been working under the conditions of the old agreement, um, but we ratified early. The contract took effect on December 19th. Um, the advantage for the union to that is all of our pay raises and all of those increases in, uh, to our benefits take effect immediately, right? So that's the advantage. We, we have, uh, I believe it's eight weeks of pay raises uh, in effect that we wouldn't have had if we waited until the actual expiration date. Right. 
Article 16, we talk about the successorship language that I referenced before. So this is a new article, and basically it's referencing if the company were to sell uh, Sikorsky Aircraft to another corporation or any buyer, our contract would be made part of the sale. They'd have to notify the new buyer, you know, we have a union, this is their contract, these are the terms, and, you know, you're, you're due to abide by it. Right. And, you know, I don't think people realized at the time when Lockheed Martin purchased Sikorsky Aircraft from United Technologies, they had no obligation to honor our contract. Um, they did it because that's the kind of company they are, right? And they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to fight us in court and, and do all that stuff. So they just honored our contract. But they had no obligation to do that. And now under this new agreement, um, any subsequent buyer would have to do that. And that's really important. So we've got some other provisions of this contract that don't necessarily fall under a direct article. Um, one of those big ones was how we flip the wage scales. And Huge. There's some good reason behind that that a lot of you probably aren't aware of, but we used to have what are called wage adders um, for the hangar mainly and for some other areas. Yep. The wage adders were supplemental amounts given to people who were basically at you know labor grade zero. You can't go any higher. Right. And now what we've done is we flipped that wage scale. So now you can always add a new labor grade. Right. Currently, we go up to 14 in the future. If we needed to, it could go higher. Um, so that's going to make it a lot easier for us to try and grow as time goes on. Yep. We were also able to eliminate all those wage adders, which was really confusing for people. Yeah, and, and it's an advantage, right? So instead of getting a fixed amount every year at the end of the year, now you're getting an extra labor grade where you're earning overtime on that on that increase of pay. I think this is a win all around for us. Um, we went back and forth on this. This was a battle to get this done. I think, you know, personally, I, I went into this thinking, oh, this is a no-brainer. You know, this is an easy win for us to get this language. And um, it wasn't easy. It was a battle. They didn't want it right up until the last few days. And, um, and, and they, we kept pushing and they, they agreed. So this is really good for us. Listen, it's going to be confusing for people, right? It's still confusing for people, and it will be, I think, for a while. If you were a labor grade zero yesterday, you're a labor grade 11 today, right? And, and that's confusing for people, um, especially for the folks who are like, you know, labor grade fours, labor grade threes. Um, when you get there in the middle of, of the pay scale, people are, are getting confused about, you know, what's my new labor grade? So we'll get used to it. Um, it'll, it'll be second nature in a year from now. So, um, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's a good thing for us. This is a really good thing for us. Yeah. Maybe we could post the picture of the flipped wage scale so people could line it up. I'll yeah. We'll try get to that get that up people. on social media. Yep. Uh, the next thing up the defined benefit pension multiplier. So we had some great increases there on March, uh, 1st of 2023, that's going to go up to $96 a month per year of service. And that multiplier will then increase again on March 1st of 2026 to $100. Yeah, that's a good bump for the folks on the um, defined benefit pension plan. Um, and listen, just as a note, right, I think it was intentional on the company's part to wait until 2026 to give a second bump. We tried really hard to get the entire bump up to $100 up front on this contract. And there's no doubt in my mind, the company didn't say it, but there's no doubt in my mind that it had everything to do with the VSO. 
um, you know, the VSO is being offered in 23, 24, and 25, and that second bump is happening in 26. Right. Right. So, you know, they didn't want to give those folks who are going out on the VSO anything more than they had to. Um, so they're getting, you know, four bucks less on their multiplier. Yeah, I wonder if some of their intent was just to make people kind of help them make up their mind, too. This I, I think that had a lot to do with it. That yeah. way you're not sticking around for a few more bucks. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to stick around for that for that extra bump. Right. Yep. So that's not an option for these folks there. If you take in the VSO, you're taking it at a level of ninety six dollars. Next up, we've got the signing bonus. So all employees who are on the payroll as of December 19th, 2022, will receive a five thousand dollar signing bonus. It's going to be paid out on February 2nd of 2023. At this point, you had to elect where you wanted that money to go, uh, but that could have been deposited into an HSA or into the savings plan, and you'd get a 50% match from the company. Yeah, and again, this is another battle that we kind of went through, right? Um, we went back and forth with the company. Pretty typical. You know, we're not going to settle for anything less than $1,000 per year of contract, right? So it's a five-year deal. We got $5,000. Um, where the fight was, I shouldn't say fight, but where the battle was, um, was getting that money up front. We typically don't get it up front. We typically get it half up front, and then a couple of years later, the second half of the bonus. But, um, be, you know, because we have all these people going out on the VSO, um, we were pretty insistent that those folks get the entire signing bonus. Yeah, it's nice to be able to pad your HSA a little bit if you've got a high deductible plan. Um, you know, we can't give you financial advice, but taking advantage of this kind of match is huge. I mean, to get 7500 bucks instead of 5000 that's a big jump. So yeah, really. Anybody who's tempted to take it, by all means, you can, um, but it, that's a great benefit to have. And if you always roll it into your 401k, you're going to be in great shape. Yep. The supplemental contribution to the defined contribution retirement plan, so employees hired after July of 17, this is increased to $2 per hour for 40 hours a week. Right. So it used to be $1.50 an hour for 40 hours a week. Um, now it's $2. So that's 20 bucks a week of company money going into your, your savings plan. Um, doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, over decades, that amounts to a lot. Yeah, so. that's going to compound. The interest is going to grow. And yep. That, All of that. Every bit makes a difference. Even if you're not contributing what you feel like is enough, contribute something because starting early and getting it in there is going to make the difference in your retirement. Yeah. So so let me talk about this a little bit because I, I, I want the tier two folks to understand um, this is a big deal, right? It's not a ton of money, but it's extra money, right? We made a promise going into these negotiations to address tier two stuff, right? To address the wages, which we did. To address um, the retirement, which we did. Uh, you know, we did we want a pension for tier two? Absolutely, we wanted a pension, and that was a fight. And um, you know, we'll talk we'll talk about that for the next couple of years, probably. But this was a change from what usually happens. This provision, right, this supplemental contribution was at the same amount as our cash balance pension, right? So, so the, the tier one folks have a cash balance account that $1.50 an hour for 40 hours a week goes into. Um, that didn't increase, but this one did, right? So we made a concerted effort to make sure that the tier two folks got an increase that tier one didn't get, right? Um, typically, those two contributions from the company went up evenly right across the board and and it didn't happen this time because we wanted to make sure that tier two got something extra yeah and this is after that we had already tried to negotiate to get everybody on one tier absolutely just to be clear for anybody that's curious yep 
Next up is guidelines for overtime. So an employee who is out on vacation for more than two consecutive weeks can now be charged for the overtime. The I code could be used when an employee is ill or otherwise unavailable once other employees in the overtime group who are present that day have been offered. So that's a little bit of a change there, too. Yeah. So let's talk about that quick before you continue. Um, This I kind of laugh and I know the company's listening. We consider this to be the only win for the company in this entire contract. Um, they they wanted this. They were really uh, concerned uh, with equalization of overtime and how vacations affect it, um, and how that I code stuff affects it. And you know they really wanted this, and this is something that they got from us. This is not a burden for us by any means. This is not a a, a difficult pill for us to swallow. Um, but it's certainly something that the company brought to the table and that they got. And, you know, congratulations to them. This is their only win. And just to clarify, the difference here is that if you were on vacation in the past, you were not allowed to be charged for the overtime at all. Right. Now it's saying that after two weeks, they can charge you for the overtime. Right. So it's not a major concession. There. It's not at all because, you know, um, how many people take more than two weeks consecutively? Not many. Not many. And I think there's maybe a few foremen who believe if not for that person, I wouldn't know overtime money but right. that's not the reality no we're gonna and we're gonna prove that out and then the change with the i code was simply that they can go by who's present that day rather than everybody in the group right and i'm not sure that every member understands that out there right we, you know as agents and stewards we understand it right and so let's explain that um in the past we held the company really strictly to the language which said that the i code could only be used if everyone else in that overtime group was offered overtime, right? So what we would say was, hey, if somebody's on vacation, they're not getting offered overtime, you can't use the I code, right? So now that's not the case anymore. If somebody's out on vacation, they're not in work, they're not available to be asked for for overtime. So the I code can be used. Right. Uh, the guidelines for using the NQ or not qualified code have also been altered. So we had some grievances last year that were dealing with that, where new employees were being told they weren't qualified to work the overtime. Uh, we were able to get that language changed, and it now reads that an employee who has not received sufficient training on the job or lacks a required certification, license, skill, or other necessary qualifications, and therefore cannot perform the work without close supervision. Yeah, so this really just clears up that battle that we've had for years with certain, it's just certain managers, certain supervisors who insisted that because there was an example in the contract, they insisted that probationary employees couldn't work overtime. And it just, it was never the case. So we kind of, you know, we fixed the language so that it, it reads the way it really is. Yeah, now it's clear that nobody's precluded from working overtime, including probationary employees. Correct. Uh, the employee savings plan. So the maximum match contribution to the savings plan is increased each year of the contract as follows. January of 2023, it's going to be $94. In 2024, it'll go up to 96 January 1st of 25, it goes up to $98. And January 1st of 26, it goes up to 100 In 2027, it'll go up to 102 And in 2028, it'll go up to 104 Now, unmatched contributions can be made uh, with no limits up to the IRS maximum. So there's actually no need for the deferred COLA anymore. And that's the next item we were going to talk about. Yeah, so we got rid of the deferred COLA. Um, I think this is a little confusing for some of our members. Uh, Bottom line is, you know, this deferred COLA was implemented 
back in the days when we had really low limits to what we could put into our savings plan. UTC, for some reason, had this unwritten policy or practice of kind of holding hourly folks down in terms of being able to save for retirement. Um, they So they put limits on how much you could put into your 401k. Um, so through these negotiations, we were able to lift those limits. Um, we were able to raise them in the past, but now we lifted them entirely. So you can put up to the IRS limit now, and, and there's no need to defer that COLA. It's administratively difficult for the company to do the deferred COLA, and now they don't need to do that anymore because we can. We, we don't really need it. Yeah, so like Steve's saying, we're, this isn't a concession. We're not losing anything here. Nope. You have now have the flexibility. You can alter your deductions for your 401k at any time. Um, you can tailor them however you want. So if something comes up, you need to drop back your deduction to a lower level. You just change it rather than having an annual period where you had to you know, opt out of the deferred COLA. The individual medical account, beginning January 1st of 2023, contributions matched at 75% of $1 to $23 can be made to the IMA. This is a big increase. It's $5 yeah. uh, per week. And catch-up contributions have been increased as well. If you're age 50 to 54, you can do up to $9. 55 to 59, you could do an up to $10 amount. And age 60 and greater, you could do up to $11. Right. So somebody who's 60 or older... Um, can contribute $34 a week into the IMA at a 75% match from the company. Uh, that's really good. Just a note on this, I, I, we just want to make sure people understand. Um, I know that folks have been going on trying to up their contributions in the IMA and up their match contributions in the 401k. Um, the, the company's been working on getting their system updated so that those increases can be made. Uh, that's going to be done on February 13th. Everybody will be able to make those increases. And anyone who makes those increases, they're going to get retro contributions back to January 1st. So you're not going to lose that ability um, between January 1st and February 13th. Yeah, so if you've been trying to make that change, you're not losing your mind. You're right. not able to do it yet, but hang right. in there. We'll get it worked out. Yep. For outsourcing and subcontracting, we had some big advancements there. So we can now arbitrate those decisions. Yep. That's a big advantage for us. And the subcontracting letter has been improved to provide for monthly meetings rather than quarterly meetings to keep those conversations ongoing. And during which the company has to provide data and any rationale for any subcontracting that's planned. Um, and we also agreed to have a separate letter that provides specific guidelines for subcontracting of maintenance work. I know that's your area, so yeah, maybe you want to speak to that. But. Yeah, so, and this actually was brought by the company, and it's a pretty good letter. Um, the bottom line is there's a lot of subcontracting going on um, with facilities because th they do what they call, and it's our pet peeve when they use this phrase, but they, they do these capital projects, right? And these are really big construction projects where they're making additions to the, the building, they're bringing in contractors, they're pulling permits and all this stuff. And quite frankly, our folks can't do that work. Right? This is work that we're not equipped to do. We don't have the equipment to do it. We don't have the manpower to do it. So this new letter that speaks specifically to maintenance and facilities um, makes everything really clear. It draws those lines very distinctly, what our work is and what work is allowed to be contracted out. 
um, and we've actually already made some records requests and some requests for them to stop using contractors w in certain work. So we're, we're moving towards getting compliance on this letter. Um, this is a good thing for both parties, I think. It really clears things up, and it, it's going to work best for both of us. Yeah, I think any language that puts us back at the table and keeps the conversation going is good. Yep. For the special access program bonuses, anybody that's holding a Yankee White clearance, when you first get your clearance, you're going to get $150. It's going to be grossed up, and it'll be paid as soon as you get that clearance. You'll then get an additional payment every first pay period of uh, January, and this bonus was increased from $625 to $750 over the life of the contract. Right. So just to be clear about that, the folks who had Yankee White used to get a $625 bonus when they got their clearance, and then every five years when they updated their clearance, uh, they would get 625 again. So the government, company, whoever's doing this has kind of changed the way they assess folks who, who hold these clearances. Now there's like this constant assessment of them, a constant look at them. Um, they're going away from those five-year updates. So we have nothing to go on to get them that $625 bonus. So what we did was we said, as long as you hold a clearance, first pay period of January, if you hold a Yankee White clearance, you're going to get a $150. Right. So to your point, Jason, that you do the math, that comes out to a seven hundred and fifty dollar uh, bonus every five years. So it is an increase of one hundred and twenty five dollars on that bonus overall. Um, and I think it just makes it cleaner. Right. Yeah. Everybody just gets that hundred and fifty bucks every year when they have a clearance. Uh, for positive drug tests moving forward, if you're in a random drug testing program and you test positive, you can request to be moved to a non-covered position if one is available after returning to work and complying with EAP. Right. So this is an attempt, if somebody pops positive, right, it's an attempt to try to make sure they don't get fired eventually, right? It, it's trying to save jobs. Yeah. And I think it also protects the company, too. It gives them the ability to put someone in a better suited location. Maybe. Yeah, no doubt. We had some changes to our job posting language. So in the past, you were not able to grieve any lateral or demotional postings. You could only grieve something that was a promotion. And we had a lot of members that weren't happy with that. They were trying to post for either a shift of preference or a job of preference that they wanted. And they were told, sorry, that's you know a lateral move. You can't grieve it. We have the ability to do that now. Active members within the bargaining unit uh, who apply will have priority during selection followed by those who have recall rights to another occupational group, and then finally external applicants. And this was really important to us. Again, might not seem like a really big deal to some people, but this was important to us. We, we get complaints about this all the time, and, and I love the example that Rocco used during negotiations. You know, he talked about that 40-year guy, right? You know, been with the company for 40 years, not ready to retire yet, but... I'm an aircraft mechanic, right? I'm working on final assembly and I'm climbing all over the aircraft. And quite frankly, I'm too old to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. It's physically demanding. I want to post for a, a tool crib job, um, you know, and do that for five more years and then retire. You know, in the past, that guy couldn't get that job. Right. They wouldn't hire him to that job. He couldn't grieve it because it's a demotion. Right. But that person, having given 40 years of his life to this company, should have priority to that job if he wants it. Right. Yeah. So so this fixed that. And I think it's a really good thing. I'm really happy about it. Um, 
And in those scenarios, the, a lot of times that senior person was taking a major pay cut just to continue to work in a, in a different job that was better suited. So right. it's good that they have that option and yep. that they're able to grieve it. No question. Uh, the other thing that we should point out is the company is going to continue to provide a list of open positions to the union. So that's something that's constantly communicated back and forth. Yep. Uh, notice of terminations. So the company must notify the union of any terminations taking place. That's obviously information we need to have. Yeah. And, and listen, we, we find out about it anyway, and the company typically did this, right? You know, human resources will notify a business agent, but we just wanted to get that in black and white to make sure that the company's letting us know that they're going to fire somebody, right? It, it, it's important information. Yep. For anybody who's out on an occupational or non-occupational injury or illness, uh, the return to work protocol has changed. So the requirement to go through medical has now been increased from five days to 10 days. That's Good deal. It's going to help them, I think. They don't have as many people having to go through medical. Yep. And it's a lot easier for us as yeah, well. It's much less of a hassle for us. Uh, the flight ops wage adders. So we talked a little bit about wage adders earlier. There's now been a third wage adder added in the hangar for certified crewmen for the 53K. Yeah, so the, yeah, now there's three wage adders. So in the hangar, you, you can possibly hold um, certified crewmen for uh, Naval Hawk, certified crewmen for 53K, and then cleared to fly. Right, so those are three wage adders. The wage adders are sixty-five cents an hour for each of those. So adding that third one um, is good for those folks. And listen, uh, you know, those folks are working on flight aircraft. The fact that they're the highest-paid people in the company is that's the right thing, right? They're working on flight aircraft. They're literally handing the keys over to the government. Um, they should be the highest-paid people in the company. Alternative work week. So the company uh, has removed the possibility of establishing alternate work week. We were able to get that eliminated from the contract altogether. And that's a great thing because that probably would have killed some overtime. Yeah, that's a really good thing. Listen, that language, you know, it kind of sat there and the company never implemented it because, frankly, we negotiated it in such a way that it made it hard for them to implement it. Right. But um it still had the potential of being really harmful to the hourly workforce. If they did decide to start establishing those shifts on weekends and eliminate overtime, listen, our, our folks make tens of thousands of dollars a year in overtime pay. Um, that's a big hit if they do stuff to eliminate overtime. So getting rid of that language was a big win for us. Yeah, that was going to allow them to put a shift in for, what was it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yep. Right, 312s? Yep. And like Steve's saying, if they had people in here for three twelves on a weekend, they're not going to have a need for you to come in and do any right. overtime. No more Saturdays, no more Sundays. The job referral program, this came up last year. There was some times where our employees were being told they didn't qualify uh, for the amounts that were advertised by Lockheed Martin. So we had that added into our contract now, and we definitely do qualify for all of those up to $10,000. Yep. And a couple of our members have already gotten those awards. So that's good. Yeah. So keep an eye out. If you can refer somebody, make sure you go through the right process to do it, but you might be able to get a little bit of money there. Yep. The hourly job rating plan. So the company and the union agreed to meet and discuss the possibility of modifying or mon modernizing the hourly job rating plan. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Yeah. I, listen, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'll tell you that you know, Rocco specifically asked me probably a year before negotiations even started. He he asked me to do some research um, to look at this very thing. 
Um, and I did a lot of research. I scoured the country for plans, you know, for job rating plans. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there that's like ours. There's nothing out there that's as scientifically applied as ours. You know, it might not seem like it is, but it really is. Every other plan out there is incredibly subjective. Um, and, you know, opinion just, uh, you want as little opinion in this process as possible when you're rating the, the pay scales for jobs. And um, listen, we're going to talk because the company really doesn't like the hourly job rating plan. Don't know why. But um, so we're going to talk and we're going to, I think, land on the same place that I landed. Yeah, when that language is subjective, it makes it really hard for us when we're trying to prove a misclass grievance because right. the burden of proof is on us to prove that you're doing the higher rated work. Yep. Uh, so if those aren't clearly defined, it's difficult for us. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find anything. Uh, career pathways. So this program is now memorialized in the contract, and I think the language said that both sides will agree will have to agree to suspend if there was a need. Yeah. So uh, to to terminate the the program or to suspend the program takes both sides to agree, which is really good. You know, we want to make sure that this program, which the union brought to the company, this is our program. Um, we we want to make sure that there's a legacy there, and and then it continues. Um, and that the company can't just end it unilaterally. Uh, backup care. So this is another new benefit if you have kids or an elder that you care for. Beginning no later than June 1st of 2023, the company through a company called Bright Horizons will provide backup care. And you can use this up to three times per year for emergency daycare, elder care, babysitting services. Uh, the benefit is capped at 270 total uses per year. Um, but it's something that's available to you to use. We had a, a group of women in the union that really pioneered bringing this forward. Yeah, kudos to them. This was important stuff to them, and they pushed it. They brought it to us, and, um, you know, they sat at the bargaining table to make sure that this happened. Um, and awesome. It, this is awesome. It's, a, you know, it's not a huge benefit, but, you know, it's a foot in the door, and maybe we can grow this benefit to something pretty substantial in the future. But it's, uh, it's a great start. Yep. Our powerhouse employees. So anybody who doesn't know, we produce all our own electricity and yep. everything at Sikorsky. Yep. Um, there's a group of employees in there that work 24-7 in our powerhouse. The company's now required to make every effort to have two operators in the powerhouse at all times. That's for safety reasons. Uh, the powerhouse shifts are, like I said, eight hours with breaks and lunch periods paid. Third shift receives a 15% shift premium. That was previously 10%. And the fourth shift or rotators will be paid the premium for the shift on which they're working at that time. Uh, fourth shifters that are assigned to work a holiday will be paid the holiday plus double time for their hours worked. And fourth shifters that are scheduled to work on a holiday and choose to take the day off are required to uh, cover the absence. Yeah, so this is, um, I think, really good language. Um, this was kind of my baby going into negotiations to address some of the issues in the powerhouse, and I think we did a pretty good job addressing most of those issues. Um, the powerhouse is a unique workplace, so they need some unique language within our contract to make sure that they're protected and make sure they're getting what they need. So um, yeah. this was a good thing for us. I should have mentioned, too, the fourth shifters who are not scheduled for the holiday will receive holiday pay. Yeah, and that's one of the big pieces of this, that those fourth shifters, the rotators, 
they're on seven day weeks. They work seven day work weeks. So they're often scheduled on holidays and they have to work the holidays. So um, we wanted to make sure we addressed how that time is treated and paid. Yeah, I don't know if we got to this yet, but the other big change for them was if they get uh, called in on a snow day or where there's inclement weather and the plant has been shut down, yep. they're now going to get paid double time for that, yeah, right? Yeah, that was a big ask from them. A, a bunch of the guys in the powerhouse were really concerned with that, you know, saying, hey, when the plant's shut down, it's not shut down for me. I have to come to work and I have to drive in, you know, dangerous conditions. And, you know, sometimes I'm stuck in the plant because I can't get out because of the weather. So... Um, if they're in here during a shutdown like that, they're getting paid double time for the entire time. That's good. Yep. ES and H meetings and conferences. So our agreement now memorializes the current practice that concerns attendance of the safety stewards to periodic safety uh, meetings and conferences. Yeah. And this is, you know, again, our members might not understand how this language affects them, but our safety stewards, our ESH stewards are some of the most highly trained safety people in this company, right? We make sure that, you know, our safety stewards are really well trained and attendance at these conferences and these other, you know, training sessions is vital to keeping that the case, right? To making sure that they remain highly trained. So we would just wanted to make sure that the company didn't stop them from going because, quite frankly, the company pays a lot of the bills, pays a lot of the travel expenses for these folks, and we wanted to make sure they didn't renege on that. So we got it in the contract. Yeah, there's a reason why we have safer union shops in this country than exactly. non-union shops. And right. And, and again, that directly affects our members, right? The more trained your safety stewards are, the safer you are in the factory. We talked about the defined uh, benefit contributions earlier, but the cash balance pension plan, so that has been increased. It went from $1.80 for 40 hours per week. Uh, I'm sorry, it went up to $1.80 for 40 hours per week. It was yep. previously at $1.50. Yep. Uh, special hire rates, so new employees will no longer earn $1 below the minimum rate while they're in their probationary period, which that's great because it's yep. hard enough when you're just starting out. I just, I think it was ridiculous, right? You're a probationary employee. If things aren't working out for you, the company just gets rid of you. Why? I never understood why they were paid less money, right? Yeah, and I think we probably got this win due to some errors they had last year where they were timing these raises or timing giving back the dollar incorrectly, right? Yep. I think there was a handful of those. Yeah. And then for healthcare, uh, we're going to be switching to Allegiant Care in 2024. There's going to be some major changes there. Um, effective January 1st of 23, insurance opt-out payment, that's also increasing. That's going to go up to $25 per week. Uh, transition and bridge benefits are going to increase to $365 a month. Short-term disability, life insurance, and total permanent and disability benefits are no longer tied to your wage rate. We're all just going to rate for the maximum amount. We used to have a table in our contract. Yeah. That table is now out, and there's just going to be one rate for everybody. That's really good. And, and listen, quite frankly, and, and you know, you hope you never have to use these benefits, right? You hope you never have to use disability. You hope you never have to use your life insurance, obviously. But, um, you know, this is a big advantage for Tier 2 again. Right. This addresses tier two because 
um, as you said, this benefit was tied to your wage rate. And, you know, the lower your, your hourly rate, the lower your benefit on all of these categories was. So now, like you said, everybody's going to go to the top of the scale. Um, and, and that's a really big advantage for those tier two folks. Yeah. And just to take you through a few of them. So short term disability is going to increase to $650 per week. The life insurance is going to increase to $120,000 for the policy. Uh, the TP&D increases to $2,200 per month. And then effective in 2023, new hires are no longer forced to choose a high deductible health plan. Yeah, so that was going to take effect. Um, under the old contract, we had an agreement that starting in 2023, all new hires would automatically have to take a high deductible health plan. Uh, we got rid of that because we're going to Allegiant Care in 24. So it, it really didn't make sense to implement that change just for one year. So Allegiant Care starting in 2024, I don't think we're going to get into all the details of that in this episode. Yeah, that could be a whole episode. Yeah, I own. think what we'll do is as we get closer to 2024, we're going we're gonna to bring maybe John Santa Maria on and, and DJ Yaramich on, who are kind of the experts on, on this change in the contract. Um, this is going to be really good for us, though. I think Allegiant Care is going to be a, a better benefit. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more affordable. Um, better it, dental. Yeah, better dental. And the dental is technically free. Um, and I think the one big deal for this is there will be an opportunity for everybody to choose a free plan. Right. Right. Uh, that might not be th the best plan for everybody, but there is an opportunity under Allegiant Care for everyone to get a plan that doesn't cost them anything on a weekly basis out of their paycheck. Yeah. And just to clarify, because we had a couple questions, that has to do with the premium amount that you exactly. take comes out of your check every month. Obviously, there's still maximum out of pockets and all that, yep. like a normal plan. Yep. Um, but it's nice to have a plan available where you're not coming out of pocket every week just to be a part of it. Absolutely. So um, we're going to stop there again. We're, we're going to maybe a few episodes from now, we're going to start to talk about Allegiant Care and start to kind of break that down and educate everybody on the differences between what we have today and what Allegiant Care looks like. Um, but that's the contract, right? Those are the changes. Pretty big deal. Um, for me, I've been involved with the negotiating committee since 2006, and this is without a doubt the best contract I've ever seen. Um, I'm really proud of it as a member of that bargaining committee. I think you are too. Absolutely. Um, I, I think everybody got something here, tier one, tier two. Um, everybody moved forward on this on this contract. That's what we set out to do, and that's what we did. Um, as with any contract, there are things that we wanted to get that we didn't get, right? Um, but we, you know, we're here to fight another day, and um, there's more contracts in our future. Yeah, everybody, please, now that we've got this one locked in, take an active role in, in the union this year, you know, and in the coming years, too, over the life of this contract. Show up to meetings, try to bring new members to meetings, read your contract, you know, stay informed, because exercising your rights, you know, enables your steward to uphold the contract, and we need active members. Yeah, good point. Um, the contract is up on our website now. Go to www.teamsters1150.org, right on our homepage. There's a link for contract 2023. Click that. You're going to open up um, a PDF of the new contract. Uh, you can also get it through our app. Um, so check it out. Start reading it. It's going to take us a little while to get printed copies, but when we when we get a printer to do that, we're going to mail everybody a, 
a nice fresh copy of the contract and you can read it at home. You can read it wherever you want. Um, but in the meantime, get on our website and check it out now. So what do we got for upcoming events? So mainly we've got our membership meetings coming up for February. We're going to have the Connecticut meeting on the 15th for PAX in Alabama. It's going to be on the 21st and for Florida, it'll be on the 23rd. And for anybody that attends on zoom, please just make sure that you sign up for the Connecticut links. Right. And food truck, as always, right? We're going to have a food truck. We're going to have a food truck. I think we're going to switch it up against this month, so I'll uh, keep you posted. Okay. Watch our social media. We'll definitely put it up as we get closer. Been a little talk about maybe a taco truck? I'm thinking a taco truck this All time. Right. That sounds really good. Yeah, we found a good one. All right. That's, um, that's about it for this episode. Remember, it was Abraham Lincoln who said, All that harms labor is treason to America. That's Abraham Lincoln who said that, the father of the Republican Party. So just keep that in mind. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for following the 10 to 12 podcast. If you're not following the 10 to 12 podcast, shame on you. Go to Podbean right now and follow us. Remember to let us know what you think about the podcast. If you love it, if you hate it, just let us know and let us know why. Email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. So until next time, I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.